0: All right, the last one was easy, but this is going off the chimney, over the fence, hit the car window, all net. Yeah, right, sure.
1: What's up, guys? Welcome back to No Easy Buckets. Uh, this is uh, your host Jacob, and my boy Blake's back. What's up, dude? What's up, man? No Easy Buckets presented by No Easy Buckets. <laughs> yeah, we're presented by <laughs> ourselves. Uh, taking a break from the college uh, college football bets. You know, do some NBA chatter, Got to talk some hot takes and, and conspiracy theories and all that good stuff because uh, the NBA is in full swing.
2: The NBA is in full swing. Hey, but I would I would recommend if you haven't checked out the Under the Covers podcast with Clay and your boy Money Mike, Yeah, go check it out.
1: Yeah, it's on the same feed. Obviously, probably have more people listen to that. <laughs> anyway. So we'll make sure to tell them to check out our NBA next time too. Uh, that's right uh but yeah dude uh so we thought about recording last week uh but uh it just wasn't it was a lot of early you know the records hadn't leveled out any at all we wanted to see how things were going we thought now was the perfect time uh you know everybody's played about seven or eight games uh some teams are separating you have some teams that look pretty good so we wanted to kind of chat and see what's going on kind of some storylines and uh you know, some uh, the state of the NBA uh, two weeks in. So uh, you had a couple points, though, that uh, we talked about. Uh, what's the uh, – Blake, what is it? what's the first one you want to talk about? No, so, yeah. So, yeah, we didn't record last week,
2: mainly because you got to you gotta give them a little bit of time to play. Yeah. So now we're two weeks in, like you were saying, seven, eight-ish games in sometimes, some some people six. But we kind of wanted to take a snapshot of – the n b a where are we at? what kind of stands out right now, and I have four things right, so we're going to talk about them. I have four things the first one, and this is kind of crazy because we kind of knew this team was going to be fairly good, but I think they've exceeded expectations to this point. The first one is the Milwaukee bucks
1: yeah so
2: yeah, so the first which we just got
1: done we just got done watching uh that. We're recording this on Thursday night. Uh, if, I guess November first. So, the Bucks just lost by four at the buzzer to uh, to Boston. Uh, hell of a game. Boston went crazy on threes. So, uh, just some context. The Bucks are like seven and one. Yes. Yeah.
2: Yes, but yeah, they're seven. They're seven and
1: one right now. Mm-hmm. When uh, when we did like the, the show
2: notes, they were seven and zero. Oh. <laughs> um, so I'll just I'll just keep the same show notes because you know oh well. Um, yeah, no. What? It, yeah, dude, it's crazy. The Bucks are seven and zero, sitting at top of the East, uh, ahead of Boston, and I guess now tied with Boston. Um, but, dude, what, what's crazy to me is their point differential. Their point differential is sixteen or plus sixteen points per game. So they're beating, on average, their their opponents by sixteen points. And it kind of gives some context here. The Golden State Warriors are only beating teams by 13 points.
0: Yeah,
1: that's pretty good if you're if you're on the, the other side <laughs> of, on the, of the Warriors. Dude,
2: it's, it's absolutely nuts. Giannis is going out of his mind. Chris Middleton, they're both averaging over 20 a game. I think Giannis, well, he went off tonight. He had 32 and, you know, I think 12. But I think, I, like, right now I think he's averaging 25, 14, and, like, almost six assists. So, dude so the, it, what's crazy is and we could talk about it but the bucks it's absolutely insane right now so yeah, i don't know what do what's your take on the bucks give me give me your
1: your uh i haven't studied the Bucks, <laughs> but my kind of like just like yeah quick little uh rundown uh i think i mean i think they're for real i think i was high on them before the season started uh they uh, that what my they didn't really add anybody any any players to of note besides a couple of role players, but they made a change of coach, which was the the main factor. Uh, they they brought Budenholzer in from Atlanta after he you know kind of forced his way out of Atlanta, didn't want to do the rebuild there. You know, it's the best coach that Giannis has ever had in his life. Uh, they've they've had talent there the past few years, and now he's actually getting them to play. The correct way that they should have been playing under Jason Kidd, which is, you know, use the crazy length on defense and shoot threes around Giannis on the other end, and that's what they're doing. They're leading the league in like three pointers uh, taken and made per game. I think they have the highest percentage, um, but no one needs to check those stats. But they have been taking the
0: most.
1: <laughs> <laughs> cares. They have been taking the most. For, that,
2: that was for that. contact. For contact. Yeah. yeah, they are. They are. Sixth in the league in three pointers okay. and and, per, and three point
1: percentage.
0: Yeah,
2: they're so, top ten in in all major stat lines.
1: Right, right, right. So they're they're for real. And my my point there is that they have they've had they they competed with Boston in the first round last year, even though they underachieved and were a uh, you know a seven seed. Uh, but they all of their players they have a really really young core. They brought in a couple of veterans like Brook Lopez and Ilya Sova. But you can see those guys a year older, a very mature, well-coached team. Now it, it, they're seeing their full potential. So I, I think there's. I think that I was before the season. I thought they were going to be the three seed, uh, and I think now that that's. I mean, I don't want to be like super hot takeish, but I mean, I guess this is what we're doing here anyway. Uh, I mean, I think three, the third, three seed is their floor right now. Is if they stay healthy, their three seed is like worst case scenario.
2: Oh, I absolutely! Boy, yeah. Give those hot take. <laughs> hot takes are, are recommended on this podcast.
0: Yeah, I think no, they're it, sure a the
2: top three team. Well, no, when you think about it too, though, like they they did some, they, they have some uh, additions, kind of like you were saying with Lopez and Eliasova. but on the top end, you didn't change a lot of talent. You know, I think the main thing, and you kind of pointed to it, is the change in coach. I think J- Jason Kidd was that old school point guard, uh, I'm not going to be creative type, or that's what it seems like on the surface. And I think that you put in Budenholzer, and I think that he's kind of drawing up some creative plays, getting people in into different positions. Uh, I think Giannis, while he still has kind of the same percentage or the same numbers that he had last year. Nothing seems to create like point out be pointed out that he's like overachieving in any statistical category. I think that he's getting better shots. So right. I don't know. It's it's just like you were saying. There, there's. Three, I think I had them at like the four seed. So I agree with you. Their three seed or their their floor is the three seed. I just kind of want to before we like move to the next one. I want to point out their notable wins are Philly and Toronto, and I know they beat the Pacers as well. Uh, they you know obviously they lost to the to the Celtics tonight on Thursday, but I think that if you're actually if if you're going you know notable wins, maybe Toronto without Giannis.
0: Yeah.
1: No, they uh, so, and right. they not and then Toronto sat. Kawhi in that game too, but, but still, I mean, they showed you the depth of their team because Toronto has the second best player on Toronto. Kyle Lowry is, you know, probably would be the third best player behind Giannis and, uh, uh, and Kawhi. So, I mean, I mean, Chris Middleton, yeah, they're both kind of, both probably pretty even, but still Toronto would have been a deeper deeper team. So, I mean, to get that win, those wins come in handy at the end of the season too, because there's a good chance that these teams may be tied for the second, third or first seed. So I mean, you never those, those are good wins to have because Boston and Toronto being in the same division are going to beat up on each other. So any win you can get uh, is, is good for the Bucks. Uh, I think yeah, you're right. Hoser just kind of he's a better coach in general. I mean, kid was just it was more of a I'm a like a like you said old school. He, he defensively he just didn't really have an identity with them besides that I had a bunch of length and so. Now that Budenholzer is there, he's a little bit more organized, and they seem to be, uh, you know, playing a little bit more as a team. So, I think, like you said, I don't know, man, they're a surefire top three if they if the health is there. And I think they could also be a a team that um, could make a move later in the season for the trade deadline if they want to get like another offensive player in there or something that you know a better low post score or something like that.
2: Yeah. No, I think that they are the real deal. I think that, I mean, it's, it's early in the NBA, it's early in the NBA season. So I don't know. We'll, we'll kind of do like a check-in and, you know, in 20, 30 games happen, but the Bucks are for real. Everyone, the Bucks are for real, but I know how you said that you were talking about get your wins now, come play all time. Um, wins are like currency. So that moves to number two, what, and I'll say it because we're a uh, explicit con we're, we're, we're explicit content, explicit podcast. What the hell are the Houston
1: Rockets doing, dude? What oh, in the really, world is going you're on? Really, in Houston? Uh, you're really testing the censorship there with a with a with a hell bomb. I was gonna say fuck, but
2: <laughs> like, just- I figured you know. <laughs> I was, I was going to say fuck. No, but, but you're, you're right. right. Okay. What, what are they doing?
1: They're what? They are one in five. They're one in five. Yes.
2: they're one in five. Yes. Yeah.
1: And they're one in five. They're, for, okay. So
2: for context, that one in five is the second worst start in franchise history for them. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think that they were, they were like one in six at one point in like the early, you know, maybe 2011, 2010, mm-hmm. but it's definitely a the second worst. start.
1: Is the, is the lowest start. And I mean, like as far as like, it, it, it's really kind of you can tell it's like shocked them and the coaches too. It's like D'Antoni was saying how he's just pretty disappointed in their play. Dude, it's it's absolutely crazy. So let me let me just kind of give you some some like some stats here.
2: Their point differential. I know we were talking about the Bucks having a plus sixteen point differential. So the Houston Rockets, the high scoring, high fly second in the NBA in points and scored last year per game. Mm-hmm. They have a negative 10, almost 11-point differential. That is nuts for the team that, you know, kind of, that challenged Golden State in the Western Conference Finals last year. That's absolutely absurd.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're offensively, they really haven't – I mean, you haven't seen uh, Paul and Harden play as well together. Harden has missed a couple games. Like, you know, they're missing guys like Ariza and, you know – he, he was a, a key role.
0: Mute.
1: Bob I played defense. Like, just gave him plenty of guys, plenty of options on the outside. And, I, and also, too, like, Eric Gordon has looked kind of uh, kind of slow to start the season. He looked really rough. Like, he's – he's uh, I think he's got uh, more shots than points at this point in the season, which is not good. You never want to have more no. than points. That's not uh, – that's not well, going to end well.
2: So, you said it. So, I mean, so Harden, he's – set out, you know, I think two games with uh, a hamstring uh, injury. I think it's more soreness than an actual injury. I know Chris, Par- Chris Paul not Chris Harden, that's kind of weird. Chris Paul had that two-game suspension. So, I mean, you're right. They're on a four-game losing streak, but also it's kind of like they haven't found their rhythm. They haven't, you know, gotten off to the start that I think they wanted to. I think Daryl Morey is kind of freaking out and that's kind of why he offered those four first-rounders for Jimmy Butler. <laughs> so, I think that I think that they're hitting panic mode pretty early in the season, but I don't, I don't know. Suspensions, injuries—that's kind of what's held them back. But they've just looked really, like, just flat out bad to start the season. So I don't know what's really going on. I don't think the addition of Carmelo Anthony has oh, helped at all. No, he's been. I awful. mean, I don't know. He's been building a house down there in in Houston by himself, throwing up crazy shots. I mean, he has thirteen. He averages thirteen points and five rebounds a game. But I don't think he can seem to, like, find what he wants to do. People say he should start. People say he should come off the bench. People say that he, you know, should strive for that six-man-of-the-year award. But it's like, do I shoot threes? Do I shoot the mid-range that I've always shot? I don't even think Carmelo Anthony knows what he wants to do.
1: Well, he's, he's just kind of lost because he's a strong, uh, strong-willed strong person and, you know, an, uh, an elite athlete, and he's not in his prime or even close to it anymore. And he's just – he's not – he doesn't – he's not the player. He's never been the player that's going to come in and change his game to fit the team. So, I wasn't a fan when they signed him. I don't think he's that – his game should have translated to later in his career. He should have been able to make himself into a shooter that could play small ball four, you know, play till he's 38 and be fine. But he's chosen to take a hard stance on how he plays. And, uh, I mean, it's just – it's the cancer cancer for the team – and, you know, I think that, honestly, for me as an NBA, NBA fan, I think it's good because it's forcing Maury to try, like you said, to go after Butler. And I think if you're Houston at this point, you have to get that trade done. Like, that is – I don't like, know. I think you have to. Because I, I was actually listening to somebody break down the four first-round picks. And, you know, with the NBA, you can't do – like, you can't trade back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. So, I think the farthest you can go into the future is four years like, – is to whatever year to like well, I guess what that would be like uh twenty twenty six or twenty twenty seven or something like that. Yeah. The farthest yeah, you I can be I think. that's how they would do the four, but you skip every year. You can't trade back to back. So when you think about it, it's four first rounders spread out over like eight years. And they would probably include some salary in that to kind of get off of like Brandon Knight or somebody. So or maybe even I mean I don't know if they probably wouldn't be able to trade Melo, but they if you if you take it like nope. how a lot of NBA teams do now and, like, they'll give up a first-round pick to trade a player that they don't want, you could kind of see how, like, trading Brandon Knight, get adding a first, you're only really – and then you could change it to, like, maybe Butler's only getting, like – you're only giving up three first-rounders for Butler. So somebody try to make that kind of, uh, de- you know, defense of the four firsts, which it makes sense, but you're really just splitting hairs. I don't think it's that big of a deal because I think you have to play for this – play for this core anyway like Harden and Paul are right there for it so Paul doesn't have much left so I think you go for Butler and just worry about the rest later this is why I don't think that it
2: happens and I think about it so Tibbs is essentially in a make or break here he could get fired mid-season so there's not a scenario where he accepts a rebuilding phase you know what I mean it's like if he, if he doesn't get back a starting, potential starting caliber shooting guard mm-hmm. for Butler, there's there's no way this deal happens Because he's playing for his job at this point. There's not a scenario, I don't think, that he trades for those first round picks in like a Brandon Knight or, I mean, through any contracts that make it work for the money, mm-hmm. like where you don't have to give up a P.J. Tucker, you don't have to give up uh, an Eric Gordon. I just think that, in my mind, they're going to have to give up somebody like an Eric Gordon yeah,
1: the, yeah. to get the
2: trade done. And, and I don't think that, that that Houston's going to want to do that. Also, and you can kind of – I, I want to feel out what you think about this. I don't think throwing Jimmy Butler and his personality into a locker room with someone as volatile as Chris Paul, I don't think that works.
1: There's, a, there's an argument against it for sure. Yeah, so, I, mean, I could definitely – I don't know, say- man. I mean, the way Butler has been this year and his his mentality towards everything, which it's also just pisses me off how he handled, like how he's handled himself. Like he's acting like he's LeBron James and has won titles or he's, you know, Kevin Durant or somebody. It's like, dude, you haven't won anything. Like you haven't won a title. You've, I don't even know if you've been to the conference. You went, maybe went to the conference finals with the, the Bulls one year when you were, when you were, uh, you know, weren't even their best player. So it's like. I don't really know – like, it, it's kind of frustrating to me to see him do this to the, to the Wolves. And, I mean, it looks like he's been sitting out games too. So, it could even get wilder. I mean, it's, like I said, it was Thursday. He sat out the game tonight. We don't know if it's the team telling him or he's telling the team he's sitting out. This could go any number. Like, Tibbs may be forced to trade him, regardless of what he wants to do, because he's not going to play regar- anyway. So, I know maybe a Le'Veon Bell yeah, situation
2: yeah i'm leaving on those situations that's for the under the covers podcast the whole nother discussion (laughs) but i don't know it's it's a volatile situation i just i don't know it's it's kind of crazy because we could we could end up seeing Tibbs being fired tomorrow so
1: right but but your point about him going to that locker room doesn't mean that it would improve i just think it would be a a more fun and more competitive roster because those guys are still going to go out there butler and paul even in spite of themselves are going to go out there and compete and those those two, like, motors, like, defensive motors and just kind of, like, pests, like, they're, they're both kind of considered pests in a way. Uh, would yeah. be fun to watch against, like, the Warriors in a series, like a seven-game series. So, that's kind of my No, you're right. For that. I mean,
2: if they if, if threw Eric Gordon in that trade and they got Butler, uh, Chris Paul, Jimmy Butler, I mean, hell, even P.J. Tucker, that defense would be, you know, incredible to watch. I think P.J. Tucker, I think I, like, read a stat where he's, like, averaging – like well over two
1: steals a game, <laughs> so shout out. Yeah, but they, they don't need I, to give him up at all. Or that could really ruin it. I don't think they. No, I don't think they need to give him up at all. So
2: yeah, I don't know what the hell is going on in Houston. The Bucks are going crazy. Third, third team, and this is kind of like I had them pretty high. I well, I say pretty high. I had the 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 Sixers, Philadelphia 76ers. So I had them, I think, three in the East. Mm-hmm. Um, right behind Toronto, right behind Boston, but I don't know, man. State of, state of where they th- this team is. They're they're average, in my opinion, mm-hmm. right? I think that Joel Embiid is he's averaging twenty seven eleven and like two blocks a game, but it just kind of seems like their whole team is kind of taking a step back. I mean, Ben Simmons is almost averaging a triple double with thirteen points mm-hmm. per, but it still feels like this summer they've kind of like miss the step, you know what I mean? With not hiring a GM, kind of having their head coach act as their acting GM, that's never a good scenario. I mean, they're, they're just, they're average. They're five and four right now. I mean, their point differential is almost solid. They're just, they're just bad. I still think they're missing a, uh, Bolt is, Fultz is average. You know, they said yeah. that this summer
1: he kind of retweaked his shot and he was, Working towards making it there, like it doesn't really look much better after seeing it. No,
2: technically his average is lower this year. It's only about one percentage point, but still, it's not like there's anything drastically changing about a shot. He's only averaging nine points per game. I don't even I don't know what to think. I think while they didn't take anything away, or they didn't, there there was no real add-ons, trades, no real subtractions. I think that if you don't take a step forward in this piece, you're taking steps back. I don't yeah. think – I think they're out of the top four in the East when it comes down to the wire.
1: Well, they didn't, They didn't like, lose any big names, but they no. shuffled some role players around, and we talked about this. Like, they shuffled, like, you know, Bellinelli, Iliasova. They lost those guys. Um, you know, they uh, – there was another, they, 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 they kind of moved some guys around. They, you know, they drafted Mikhail Bridges. They looked like he was going to be a player that would come in and help them right away, but traded him for Zaire Smith on draft night, who, you know, Zaire got hurt, but still offensively, Zaire was going to come in and basically be the same thing as, you know, Fultz uh, probably a better defender, but zero on offense. He was going to be an athletic guy running around guarding people, which is, is useful. But what this team needs is offense. I mean, you said this like you know Simmons and Embiid individually are having statistically good, seed, good, good games, but the games that I've watched them play, you know, without getting too deep into like stats and everything, like they can't get buckets in, in the clutch moments or late in games. And sometimes when a when a, when they play a good defensive team, like when they played Toronto, and when you know Kawhi was out there, it was like they knew exactly what to do against them defensively and, and six, the philly just couldn't get a bucket they couldn't do anything they're 4-0 at home yeah. or they're 5-0 because they won tonight but they're 5-0 at home and 0-4 from away so they're a pretty easy team to look at now and say that okay they're they're still young like that was my take on them at the beginning of the season was last year was a little bit they're of still young. right last year was a little bit of an overachievement because of their win streak and because they played a lot of teams that were tanking late in the season um, and we saw that in the playoffs when they didn't perform the second round. And so we're seeing it now. Like, st- this is still Embiid's basically second, you know, year, you know, of fully playing every night. It's, it's Simmons' second year. It's Fultz' first year, basically, and he's, you know. Basically, yeah. Right. So there, there's a lot of uh, – I think they're probably right where they should be based off of their talent, but just the expectations were a little higher. You know, them being like a five through seven or eight seed – at the end of the day is probably where they realistically should have been placed. Uh, just All right, let me, let me, them up a little bit.
2: Let me tell you, let me, let me tell you these, these big, uh, the, the games that they've won versus the games they have lost. And I want to get your take on what you think this means about them. Ready? Yeah. They've beaten, they've beaten the bulls. They've beaten the magic. They've beaten the Hornets, the Hawks and the Clippers, but they've lost to the Celtics, the Pistons, the Bucks and the Raptors what does that say about where they are as a team right now I know they're still young I know they're still trying to find you know how they fit together where Fultz is is he a bench player is he an active starter like I I know that we're still trying to figure this out and and you said it this is essentially like their first or second seasons where they're fully playing but I think you take a step back because they were they were right on the cusp last year they they Played, I think, the Cavs really well, but you could just tell that they were missing something. But
1: Boston, Celtics, Milwaukee,
2: they played the yeah Celtics. the Celtics. Excuse me, yes, yeah, not the Cavs. I was referring to the Celtics playing the Cavs. My bad. But if you think if you take Boston, the Pistons, the Bucks, and Toronto, essentially that's the the top four teams in the East right now, and mm-hmm. it's trending. That's going to how that's going to kind of be how it's going to be the rest of the season. So. What is it? What do you think that says about Those, where they currently are right now?
1: You take it. You look at the teams. So they they have had a tough road schedule. So that's you can't deny that they're playing for the top five teams in the in the East on the road to start the season. So that is what it is. They're, the wins they have are against the low, lower team. You know the Hornets are pretty good, but it was a home game. Uh, yeah, they're just, they're like I said, they're, they're going to be like a 45 to 49 win team, probably maybe get to 50 based on just some bad teams in the east, bottom of the east, but they're going to beat teams that are like, they're going to beat the Bulls, they're going to beat the Magic, they're going to beat the Hawks, they're going to beat the Nets, teams like that that don't have anybody that can guard them their, and they can run in transition and, you know, Embiid can run and, and Simmons can run. They're, they're going to beat those teams. They're not going to have a problem. But they're going to struggle against Indiana, Detroit, Boston, Milwaukee, like Toronto. They're not going to – they're going to – they'll get a game every now and then. But that at the end of the year, that's what's going to come down to their playoff seeding. Like, they're not going to be – I say right now I would probably put them as like a five or a six seed unless they make a move to get somebody else because I don't think Reddick is enough of a like a third piece uh, as a scorer. So – that's kind of what, that's what, that's what that's what it is to me is they' they're, they're right where they probably should be and next they should take this year and build on it and be better next year
2: yeah I don't know I just think they're they're still a year away I, I, I think that not making a move this summer is ultimately what kind of set the tone for this season mm-hmm. I think that Embiid wants to continue the hashtag trust the process but I think the process is going to take a, a couple spots in the east back
1: <laughs> yeah I mean they they also so. are a team that could try to make a trade for Butler too I mean they could get interesting I mean that uh, maybe his personality come I think uh when you compare like if you if you take Embiid and Simmons and compare them to like Wiggins and and Carl Anthony Towns in Minnesota it's a similar situation where you, they're a little bit older they've been in the league a little bit longer than Simmons and Embiid but Two younger, you know, our generation player, like kind of millennial, like, you know, early 20s players with a 29 year old Butler who's like, you know, cut from the cloth of like Michael Jordan. And I think he would mesh with those guys a little bit better than he does in Minnesota. And I think he would, that'd be fun to watch him play with them. So I don't want to just peg Butler for every team that's struggling, but <laughs> yeah, uh, I think at yeah, this hey, point, hey, why not? I think they could probably get in I think a couple of their young players and some future picks. I mean, they have a couple extra picks this year, so
2: Yeah, well, I think I think it makes more sense to have him on the 76ers than the Rockets in my opinion.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. I mean,
2: I think the, I think I think the main takeaway right now is JJ Redick is leading is the second leading scorer on the 76ers, so that should tell you all that you need to know. A man in his 37th year in the NBA is is their second leading scorer behind Joel Embiid. I'm just going to leave that there. Mic drop.
1: Yep. That's all you need to know about it. (laughs) What's your, what's your last? Okay.
2: Kind of like last one.
0: I'm
2: going to, I'm going to definitely cuss on this one. The Cavs, what in the hell, what the (laughs) fuck is going on with, with the Cleveland Cavaliers? We all knew that they weren't going to be what they were last year. And that's a final team. But I think you and I can agree that we thought that they were, on the fringe of making the playoffs because they had a lot of role players. They had a lot of starters that have had um, playoff experience. A lot of their players have won a title outside of Kyrie leaving. But, I mean, I think that we could agree that they were a solid team. But enter in some injuries on the Kevin Love side and just kind of not really having uh, a vision of where they wanted their team to go. They started off 0-6, and I don't know if this was, like a disagreement between the front office and the coaching staff or the vision wasn't aligned or they weren't playing younger players, but Ty Lue out on his ass, out in the cold, it's coming winter time. Ty Lue doesn't even have a blanket and he's on the side of the street in Cleveland. So if he's, if you see a guy hitchhiking, it's probably Ty Lue, but I don't really know what's going to happen. I think that, okay. so, So to be fair, I think that you kind of give him the benefit of the doubt. You knew that you weren't going to be good this year. You just lost the best player on the planet, the best players to ever play the game, in my opinion. But I think you have a little bit more respect for Ty Lu than firing him after six games. I don't think firing him after six games does anything for you. He's been in three finals. He's won a ship. Like, give him the benefit of the doubt. Plus, the interim head coach that you kind of threw in there and say, oh, hey, he's our guy at least from an interim standpoint, Larry Drew, he was like, nah, not me. I don't want that job. Dude, what's your, what's your take on the Cavs, man? Just from a coaching perspective. Well, I mean, just
1: a lot of, a lot of thought to unpack. It's like, I will, I'll disagree with you a little bit. I don't know if we, I, I thought they'd be solid from the stance of they won't be the worst team in the East because they had some playoff guys with playoff experience and Kevin Love, but I didn't think they'd be anywhere close to the playoff. Like maybe like a nine or 10 seed, but like, in, in the end. Nine, you know, nine
2: is – that's fringe
0: playoffs.
1: So no, you I'm saying, it. like, I'm talking about, like, close <laughs> to competing on the level of a of a playoff team. Like, you're right. I mean, I guess you could be viewed as, like, close in standings, but they would – like, I think the top eight in the East are going to be much better than anybody below them. I don't think there's going to be much – like, they're, they're going to be a below 500 team is what I thought. Like, they're not going to be – they're going to win 35 games maybe at max. So – Uh, But but I mean you're right. I didn't think they'd be start off like this. And then for the coaching side of it, if you're gonna give up on Lou this quickly and miss and and miss, I guess they kind of misdiagnosed what they were, and the and the management wanted to compete for the playoffs instead of doing a small rebuild. If you're gonna do if you're gonna compete for the playoffs, you obviously keep Lou, who'd been to four straight finals. But then they start off slow and you get rid of him. So now you're basically saying we don't care about the playoffs and we're going to get – if you're going to get rid of him that quickly, you should have made that decision in the offseason. You shouldn't have been, you know, drugged up and thinking that you were going to compete. So it's just – Lou's still sitting at home making his money, but it's just bad on the ownership from the the Cavs. They're – they're, they wanted to comp- They wanted to prove LeBron wrong, which is always a bad decision. Like, you knew that team wasn't that good. They, he was the only reason they were competitive last year. So, it's just a well, bad it, it, man- it, managed organization.
2: Well, like, to be fair, yeah, it's just it's, – it's, it's mismanaged from the start. Like you said it best, mm-hmm. if you're going to fire Lou because you just want to clean, clean house, mm-hmm. at least from a coaching standpoint, do it in the offseason.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: If not, you're not going to help your team out now – by throwing Ty Lue to the curb. Plus, having Ty Lue kicked out on the curb, J.R. Smith, I don't know what kind of clout he thinks he has or if he thinks that he, his supreme tattoo gives him some, you know, I'm the fucking greatest player ever. J.R. Smith demanded a trade away from the Cleveland Cavaliers. Like, at what point on this earth does J.R. Smith demanding a trade actually – happen like you can't I mean he has you're not good
1: yeah I think I mean with him it's probably just trying to get on a playoff team he's trying to you know get his value down to where they have to ship him off to somebody that gives him the bare minimum but you're right I mean that's you had his ego you're not it's you're in a bad spot if he's trying to dictate things if he's trying to run to act like he's the GM or something um it's a bad like they're bad. And uh, the thing is, is They're I don't bad. think you, I don't think you would have had much debate on if if you would have just gotten rid of Lou in the offseason, like, look, he took us to four, four straight finals. We won our first finals ever. Uh, LeBron's gone. This was LeBron's guy. We love Ty Lou, but we understand that this is not the type of coach that we want, that he's not going to want to sit through this, you know young, rebuilding team that we're going to have. We're going to hire somebody that's more developmental. We're going to let Lou go be the assistant or get another job somewhere. We're going to do it right after the finals. I think that's what, or right after LeBron announced his, his move. I think that's what they should – I mean, maybe people would have hated on that because he – you know, but I think Lou would have probably been fine with it. Instead of yeah, coaching Rodney Hood and, and uh, Sadie Osmond, he probably would have been fine with going to be the assistant yeah. for the Spurs or the Celtics or something.
2: Dude, think. All right, so you know how they're they're one and seven now. They lost to um, Denver tonight by a I think a whopping nineteen points. But <laughs> if you think about it from a statistical standpoint, you know how we were talking about Houston is just piss poor in every statistical category.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Cleveland has better stats than they do,
1: so uh, that
2: doesn't mean much.
1: No, they're still bad. I mean, they're just. I mean, they're just they're just a team. They're just the media. They're just the team that's never gonna win another championship. Because LeBron's not there anymore, so I mean, they just need to start. It's like just understand who you are and stop, you know, trying to prove yourself to the to the player who scorned you. I guess is my only thing. Like, they're uh, they build, you know, let Colin Sexton run, let him start, let him, you know, ship off George Hill, ship off J.R. Smith, get a couple picks, salvage whatever you can, and and just let those young guys have at it. Kevin Love as well, get rid of him. But yeah, before we get out of here, we wanted to hit on uh, something real quick. Uh, kind of a little uh, conspiracy, conspiracy uh, theory here. Well, no easy conspiracy. <laughs> um, yeah, we talked <laughs> about this. I gave, I gave like a hint of what it was earlier, but uh, it's surrounding the Warriors. And no. <laughs> do what? I said, "Oh, here we go." Uh, yeah, so they're eight and one. Obviously, uh, they lost. Uh, to um, – who do they lose early on? The Pelicans or somebody. And then they played a tough game to start the season against the Jazz. Um, no, 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 they lost opening game. Of the, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to edit that part out. Yeah, so, I mean, they struggled a little bit at the first of the season. They had that uh, close game against the Jazz and, uh, you know, kind of looked like maybe they were, you know, struggling a little bit offensively. But now Clay, Tom- I mean, uh, Clay Thompson has had the 14 three-pointer game. Uh, Steph is going off every night, at least five three pointers in every game but one. So they they look they look like they're supposed to look. So my take is that KD has already told the core guys there, like Draymond, Clay, and uh, Steph, that he's leaving after the season, that he's done. Like you know, we're gonna win three three titles in a row. That's the goal. Uh, I'm going to head out to go kind of, you know, search for what else I need to do in my career to, you know, satisfy me as a superstar and kind of like what I'm longing for, you know, running my own team. And he's like, let's transition this back over to the warriors that everybody fell in love with a few years ago and then started to kind of hate when I came here. So let's turn it back over into fun, Steph and clay. And we'll still, we'll still win the games obviously, but you know, let's, 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 let's kind of shift this back into Steph's team and then I'll coast find my way. You know, I'll, I'll find my own way uh, this summer in free agency. So what do you think?
2: Dude, that's, that's one hell of a, of a conspiracy. (laughs) If you think about it though, like I just, like while you were describing that I was looking up kind of the numbers by the numbers and dude, Curry's going off. Curry's like, 33 points a game, like you were saying. I'm hitting every three pointer there is. I'm kind of pissed that Klay Thompson broke my three point record. That's just only going to make me play harder. That's what he's. I, I feel like that's what he's doing. Draymond Green has already came out and said he's gonna. He wants to get back to him being the defensive player of the year. Klay Thompson is just going off with he's minimal contract, dribbles. Contract year. Contract year. I mean, so <laughs> it's cra- it's crazy that you say that too because if you if you do think about it. KD's going to want the most money possible,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and and that would still would be
1: with the Warriors. Wouldn't that wouldn't that be with the Warriors if he
0: wanted I to mean, take that? They could,
1: go, they could go crazy. They could go over the cap and the luxury tax with him, but I don't think that they would want to do that. Given he's given he's going to done a pay cut the last two years, I don't think they could pay him. I guess and have a crazy luxury tax bill, but. Um, I, he could still get a pretty solid amount uh, out in free agency. Cause he hasn't been with the Warriors, but for two years. So there's no like incentive really to stay maybe so link. He could get the same money well, per year somewhere else.
2: He's going to want, he's going to, so that he's already come out and said, I'm, I'm I think the absolute quote was, I'm going to get my bag. I'm securing the bag, something along those lines. I'm paraphrasing. Obviously. Basically. Said that. he's, basically. That's what he said. So regardless of, where and, and and this is where I think you're right. That's a crazy, that, dude. That conspiracy theory is nuts. But I think you're right mainly because I said before the season even started that he's gonna go to the fucking Knicks. So, yeah, so
0: you're <laughs> I think it,
2: on that. I, I I already and I already think that he's like. Why I think this is legit is because he 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 his legacy will always be tarnished or have an asterisk. Tarnish is not the right word. It'll always have an asterisk. Like you won MVP you won, you know, two championships, possibly three after the season, but you joined forces with the best team in basketball, one of the greatest what, what will be one of the greatest basketball franchises.
1: Yeah. In the one history of, the of basketball, over, yeah. Been one of the best runs
2: ever. Yeah. The two the, the best shooting duo in the history of basketball with mm-hmm. Curry and Clay Thompson, don't at me. That's not even a hot take. <laughs> no. But I I I, I don't know. Do, do you think that he would really have the balls to say, "Yo, I'm leaving"?
1: No, I think he would. I think the chemistry on that team is very special, and you know, he talks about. You can see the way. I, I feel like Steph, Clay, and Draymond, or I mean, at least Steph and Clay. I'm not a huge Draymond fan, but I think they're all very self aware. And Clay, like we 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 mentioned this earlier, like Steph kind of they knew what KD needed when he came in. They, Steph would tell you right now that, oh yeah, man, KD's a better player than me. Uh, you know, an all-time list. Like he, he's that type of guy who, at the top of his game, at a superstar level, two MVP, two-time MVP winner, would willingly give up a shot to his his teammate and not, you know, have be even not think twice about giving up the last shot of a game. So I think they're very they're very honest with each other. They're very self-aware they've kind of reshifted the NBA landscape the past couple of years with how, you know, players communicate in the off season and, and kind of team up. So I think he uh, is very open with them and that, look guys, this is how it goes. We came here to do something. Clay's going to get his bag at the end of the season. You guys are going to run it back. Maybe, maybe, you know, maybe uh resign boogie, somebody like that. And, and, uh, I'm going to go find myself. I'm going to do my next thing. So I, I think he would – I definitely think he would leave. I definitely think he would walk away from the team.
2: Do you, no, I agree. I agree. Now that, now that we're actually talking about – consp- I love conspiracy theory, and this is, you know, one of the best that I've heard recently in the NBA. Let me tell my teammates that I'm out before the season even starts. I love it. But I do think that he ultimately ends up leaving mainly because he cares about what people think. No, no matter how many times he kind of wants to downplay that or kind of, you know, deflect – I do think that he cares what people think. You know, Kevin, Kevin, burner account, Durant, he does care. He starts, uh, I think that he ultimately goes to the Knicks, mainly because it's still a very dysfunctional team and a dysfunctional owner. They don't really know what they're kind of doing. Fisdale's still kind of an unproven coach. But if you think about it, I think that they have such a legacy Surrounding, I mean, it's the fucking mix, dude. It's New York. It's the yeah. business capital of the world. That's, I mean, he's. I think he's built to play in that type of market, that type of arena. I will say this, and I've kind of been thinking about it over the past few weeks. What if he? What if he went and played for the Clippers? This is what this this, this would be the ultimate boss move. And I think some of the ringer guys were were
1: talking yeah, about this too. That. Yeah, I think that's where I heard it.
2: But I mean, it makes well,
1: sense. Yeah, I,
2: it makes sense about.
1: Yeah, go ahead.
2: Well, I, well, I started. I started thinking about it. I, I heard them kind of hint at it, talk about it just a little bit. But it, think, think about him going to the Clippers and trying to take away or take, and they were kind of saying they would ass- essentially just kind of he would take over the city from LeBron, or it would be KD, LeBron, KD, LeBron. Like, I would, I would buy a season. Tickets to both the Clippers and the Lakers, but KD and LeBron played on the Clippers and the Lakers. I, don't know if I mean, it would be that it. crazy. <laughs> now it definitely couldn't afford it, not even in the cheap seats, dude. But, I mean, it's, it's, think about it. But, go okay, ahead. So I'm, I'm kind of getting off topic. No, no, I mean,
1: it does, it does seem like. Go ahead. Well, no, I
2: think your conspiracy theory is spot on. I yeah. think that's like very probable.
1: I think there's going to be a lot of different places that kind of come up in the offseason for him to go. I don't think it's. Like I think the Knicks are definitely an option. The Clippers make a lot of sense. I don't really see him going to L.A. with LeBron, but you never you never really know, depending on how the Lakers' season goes. Uh, but, I mean, I think there will probably be some teams in the offseason or somebody leaves or something comes up that will have a storyline or, you know, uh, uh, who who knows. I just think that throughout the course of this season, I think it will become more and more real that he's going to walk away. And, you know, Bill Simmons hinted at that, too, that he feels like he's gone. Um, just you know, kind of the vibe he gets, you know, and he's interviewed him three or four times. So, but that, that's kind of my uh, little like uh, put on my conspiracy hat, and uh, and I uh, gave everybody a little taste. See, maybe that, maybe it's proven true. We gotta- maybe maybe we get like an off-season NBA scoop from like Ramona Shelbur- Shelburne from ESPN that says uh, that talks about the infamous meeting where he told the Warriors he was leaving.
2: I'll yeah, maybe, maybe they're putting like a, an NBA 30 or a ESPN <laughs> 30 for 30 one day. Yeah,
1: for sure. But, I mean, other than that, I mean, the NBA is, you know, rocketing strong. Uh, the Grizz are 4-2, overachie- overachieving a little bit. So, we're happy, um, you know, that the great teams are the, – the East looks like it's going to be uh, so much fun all season with those teams, the top four or five teams there. So, I think we'll have a lot to talk about in a uh, future episode. Yeah.
2: No, back to your regular, regularly scheduled program. Uh, we're 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 going to keep recording on Mondays, feed new yeah. content on Tuesdays, like we like, like we said yeah. earlier under the under the covers <laughs> while while the NFL is still happening, all yeah. the way through the playoffs, all the way through the Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, exactly. So we'll uh like said, yeah under the covers still every Thursday morning. Most we had one on Friday, but we'll try to get this out the beginning of the week, uh, depending on when we're able to record. But yeah, so we'll. We'll uh, have a lot of NBA content to talk about, but you know, as always, dude. It's been as always, fun. man. Hey, you know, you know how we give them a little bit of
2: that, uh, little bow wow on the front end. Give them, give them some of that on the on the back end too. Let's let's roll it.
1: I might have to. I'm gonna have to find something. Here's the music. <laughs> Peace.
0: We wanted everything, wanted everything Stay up on their eyes, stay up on their eyes, we'll never come down oh, Stay up on their eyes, stay up on their eyes, we'll never come down Mama said, don't give up, it's a little complicated, all tied up